0: We go ahead and be seated. Uh, you know, the question we need to ask from time to time is, "What in the world are we doing?" You, know, you need to ask that of yourself from time to time. But, you know, not just here, but other places. What are we doing? Why are we doing this? Why is this important? I mean, this is a big deal. What we're doing right now, we put a lot of effort into it. Out will bring up the TV. Something's going on around here, right? I mean, what what is happening? I'll tell you what's happening. We're, we're worshiping, but what does that mean? I, I remember as an adolescent uh, attending church and, and knowing that it was a big deal, but not understanding kind of all that was going on, because worship, uh, you know, there's so much to it, you know, you you, you got to come in, and worship really begins in the parking lot where we don't run over or curse each other, right? That's where it starts, and then we come in, and we greet one another, we meet one another, bit, but then when we get here, you know, what, what's supposed to be happening, you know, I remember Again, as not a it's feeling like, you know, I don't know what's going on. felt like the first time I went to a real fancy dinner, you know, it was this fundraiser deal, and they had forks and knives and spoons and plates that I didn't know what were supposed to be used for. It's just a little too much, you know what I mean? Thankfully, I had in middle school, uh, what's that, home at? Yeah, Anybody else have a home back? You remember, I was glad I had that because I would remember you work from the outside in, in case you're ever in that situation. Work from the outside in. I made it through. Well, worship, you know, what are we supposed to be doing here? You know, there's a lot of aspects to us. remember this. Well, there's three fundamental aspects of every worship of the gathering, all right? It's Preaching, praising, and praying. Now, understand that when we're doing each one of these, the other two are still involved. Right now, I'm preaching, but there's still going to be praising and praying going on. You need to be praying for me. You need to be praying about what God's saying to you, praising him. When we have a time of praise, there's also proclamation, preaching, and then we're also praying. Some of our very songs are prayers. And then as we pray, there's often teaching, there's instruction, there's preaching, there's also praying. So when we talk of doing one, it's not as though we're not doing the other, but each one of those are fundamental to the act of worship. And it's important that we not make the mistake that I hear many make from time to time when talking about praising, talking about singing, which they're going to talk about next Sunday uh, in, in the sermon. But there are some who would say that is worship. Friends, what's going on right now? Me preaching is worship. The the prayers are a part of worship. Worship is preaching. It's praising. It's it's praying. And we we see the instructional nature of those in our text today. If you got your Bible, I hope that you do. Take it out and turn with me to Colossians, Colossians chapter three. Verse 16, and Miss Lila is going to come and read scripture for it. We call her Layla all morning. I've been listening to bad 80s music this week or something. I don't know what that was about, Miss Lila. Thank you for not kicking me in the shins though. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word. And uh, let me find it. We're in Colossians chapter 3, and specifically in verse 16. So Lila, read that for us. Let's Christ dwelling in you, richly teaching and admonishing one another in wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankful, your hearts to God. The Lord of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, sweet girl. If you guys would, yeah, go ahead and give her a hand. Give me a hand for getting her name right after the third time. That's, I'm gifted. You gotta watch me. You know when we talk about. Um, Being a disciple of Jesus Christ here at Living hope. we talk about it in terms of a disciple's pathway. I don't know if you've seen this, but one of the things that we want and expect and see in God's Word is that we as disciples will worship, connect, serve, equip, and multiply, be disciples that make disciples. And in each one of these steps, there is an instructional nature within it. When we gather for worship, there's instruction. In, in connect groups, there's instruction. In serving. You'll need to be instructed, but also uh, many times to give instruction. And uh, being equipped, of course, that's an instructional nature of, of the very purpose of it. But even when we multiply, that is, make disciples, We are giving instruction, and some of their questions many times will create within us an opportunity to be instructed as we pursue the Word of God. And so instruction is throughout all of the discipleship process, but it is particularly important as it pertains to the worship gathering of a church. Um, when I played college ball, every Monday was one of the most important days of the week because on Monday, our head coach would bring the entire team together, offense, defense, special teams, and he would address all 100-plus of us to talk about what was going to happen that week. He would discuss our, our previous uh, Saturdays event. He would talk about the enemy, the, the uh, those that we'd be contending against this week. He would talk about our game plan. He would talk about what we've got to do to be successful. And then many times he would speak specifically to ways in which we would have to function as a team to accomplish the purpose of victory that, that he had for us. And this many times would take about 30 minutes for us to really get it. And then we would break up into our positions and according to offense and defense. But that meeting was crucial. It was the time when we came together as a team. And that's what happens to Living Hope every Sunday. We gather, yes, in, in, in five different local rooms at different times, three here, one in on the chapel, one at Redeemer, but we all gather around the same text. We all focus in on what God has to say. And so we all preach the same sermon. We preach the same text. We use the same um, outline. Many times we use the same illustrations and certainly aim for the same application, but it's a different personality. But the meaning, the very sense of the meaning stays the same. As, as I like your coach and now communicating to, to you the game plan of what God says. And when you miss worship, you're missing out on what God has to say to the church. You're missing out on what God is doing through the church. To so hear as we did already this morning, that that right now living hope on this very day, in this very building Six different languages are proclaiming the gospel to know that the gospel is being taken to places all over the world. We have a team in West Africa right now. We're seeing fruit in East Asia. We're, we're now going to be today commissioning a to Central America. God is at work in glorious ways, and if you're not here, you don't know it. You don't hear the way God is at work. You don't get to participate and celebrate, and you don't hear the specific way in which the Holy Spirit of God. Is wanting to speak and to deal with you. There's a very important instructional nature when we gather for worship, and we worship better together. And when we gather for worship, we're instructed better together. And there's things that I want you to see in the text that are crucial to this process, to this experience of worship. Take note of this. We worship better together when we are instructed by, look at this, examining the truth of the story. By examining just glancing at it, examining it, thinking about it, processing it, and allowing the truth of it to really settle in on us. It says in verse 16, let the word of Christ, the word of Christ is the Bible. Let the Bible, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now we understand that the Bible is not a collection of stories or sayings. We understand that the Bible is a single story in four parts. The Bible explains the reality. Explains that God created all things to be in harmony, but because of sin, there's now uh, this fall that has occurred, and that's why there's brokenness and pain and sickness and death. But God did not abandon us, instead, He came to rescue us, and one day Jesus will return and there will be a restoration. The entire Bible tells that story, and within the Bible, there are ways in which we need to understand that story more fully because God, through the Holy Spirit, as as they were carried. Upon by by the Spirit, we're able to write His Word, and His Word enables us to see things in it that we maybe never have seen before. That's why, when you're here, when the Word is being proclaimed, you need to listen. Do you know how to listen to a sermon? Has anyone ever told you? No one ever told me how to listen to a sermon. So, when I was saved. I took copious notes, and a part of that's because I was a nerd, and that's the way I knew how to do things. But has anyone ever told you? Listen, when you come, I'm going to give you four things. This isn't in your outline. I just want to give them to you. And I'll post these later if you don't want to write them down. Four things you need to do uh, to know how to listen to a sermon. First of all, listen for the gospel and how it is explained in the text. Every Sunday when you come to Living Hope, you will hear the gospel explained from the text. Whether it's me or Pastor David or Pastor Kyle or Pastor Justin or Pastor whoever's here, they will present the gospel or they won't be here anymore. We are a gospel-driven congregation. We believe in the power of the gospel. Amen? And this gospel is always going to be proclaimed from whatever text that we happen to be looking at it at any particular time. You need to be listening for the gospel. Second, you need to listen to how the text connects to the entirety of the story. Every text fits within the story somewhere. This morning we're in Colossians. This is a Pauline epistle. It was written to a church that he had not been to before. He's inciting them to live out the commands of Christ and to understand the greatness of his divinity, revealed in humanity how he came to redeem and how he's holding together all that is is that he has made and that he has saved. And now he's challenging the church to live out what what it is to be members of the kingdom of God. And we have to understand the, the whole story and how each text fits within the entirety of it. Third thing is we need to listen. We need to listen for how the text speaks to all of God's people for all of time. God's word speaks to all of God's people for all of time. There is never a time when that word does not have fresh application and meaning. This word, it transcends time. It speaks in every time. And so we need to understand and listen for how God is speaking to his people all over the world. And then lastly, we need to listen for how the text speaks specifically to you and me. Because the word of God is speaking to us now by the power of the Holy Spirit. So you are not believers. Yet the Spirit of God is doing what the Spirit of God did to me at age fifteen, June twenty eighth, nineteen eighty eight, when the Spirit of God called me to believe. It was through the teaching of the Word of God that the Spirit of God informed me of the grace of God, and by Christ alone, I have been saved. I was saved because of what Christ's Word said, and the Holy Spirit enabled me to understand it. That's happening to some of you right now. You're not a believer right now, but somehow the Word of Christ is beginning to impact you. And now the Spirit of God is giving you a desire for it to dwell in you richly. But to understand this sermon, you have to understand what, what's going on in that sermon. You've got to be looking for it. It's like the news. You know, there's different kinds of news today. You know, there's some kind of news. It's really not news at all. It's just commentary about the news. And you've got to make sure you understand, because they call themselves news stories, but they're not. There's commentary on the news. And then there's world news. There's news about things and events that are going on in the world. Then there's national news. that speaks to to what's happening within our country. But then there's local news. So on the world news level, we're not going to hear what's going on downtown in Bowling Green, Kentucky, you know, unless they're making up something about it. In fact that didn't happen in Bowling Green. But you know, other than that, we're not going to really probably well, make many headlines, right? But most of the time, you know, when you get to local news, it's getting down to the real nitty-gritty. When the sermon, listen, there are times the gospel's always going to be proclaimed. Listen for it. We gotta listen for what God says to the world, to what God's saying specifically to his church. And then to understand specifically what it is he's saying to us. And we need to connect the dots. See the word of God is so grand and great. Every time you hear it preached, there will be something, maybe you hadn't thought through, maybe you've heard it before, but suddenly it begins to make sense. And it's what I would call you begin to connect the dots. How many of you all uh, remember in first grade math getting a a, a worksheet that looked like this? It was the connect the dots. How many of you guys remember the connect the dots in math? I was never good at these, all right? These require patience. And, and to this day, I'm still not good at it. Yet yeah, there's, in the Bible, some, for some people, looks like this. It's just a bunch of numbers and dots. And there's really, you know, it's difficult to connect them. But see, the more you hear the word proclaim, the more you can begin to connect the dots. So I tried to connect the dots yesterday. But I lost patience, and I just couldn't finish it, all right? So, the first person to finish this and turn it in after 1 o'clock, if you do it during church, we're kicking out. That's all I'm saying about that, all right? Which I'm, I'm joking. We won't kick you out. But if you can, finish this. First one turns it in. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook will know what time it is. You get an ESB study Bible. Apparently, this is a two-can. I'm so glad it's not something inappropriate. Because I really didn't know. It was for a first grade class. And if it is inappropriate, let's just delete it and it didn't happen. But let's understand the illustration. That every time you listen to a sermon, there needs to be a new dot connected. Something in the Word you didn't see before that brings the picture of the gospel more clearly to your own soul. Something within your own life that maybe you had to understand what God's trying to do. And it becomes more clear what God is trying to do. You know, the disciples were with Jesus. And and they knew that he had been crucified and they knew he'd been raised, but yet there were still some dots that didn't connect. And then we come to this curious verse in John chapter twenty, verse twenty. Look what it says. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So there is apparently a point when they saw the Lord and they weren't real glad to see him. Apparently there had to be some dots connected. Now, once they saw his hands, and they remembered that he had lived among them, that they had, he had served them the Lord's Supper, and that he had been uh, attached to that cross, they they remembered. And then they thought about his side. They saw his side. And remember what happened with the side? His side was pierced. And blood and water flowed. What did that prove? It proved he was dead. So now here they see the Savior who said that he was going to die for them, who was actually dead, and now is alive and risen as he said he would. And now they're glad. Now they've connected some dots. Now Isaiah 53 makes a little bit more sense to them. Now the Lord's Supper makes a little bit more sense to them. Now Moses and the prophet makes a little bit more sense to them. Like the, the, uh, the disciples who were walking with Jesus in Luke chapter 24 on the road to Emmaus, all of a sudden their hearts began to burn. Why? Because the dots began to connect. And they began to understand what the Word meant. And so it created gladness in their hearts. And that's what needs to happen to us every time. We have to examine. We have to examine the truth of the story. Third thing is this. I'm sorry. Second thing is this. We worship better together when we are instructed. Look at this by engaging the proclamation of the story. Listen, it's not just enough to sit here and act like you're paying attention. All right, as some of you are doing right now. That's not what this is about. So wake your neighbors up. You gotta actually do more than sit in the room, and you gotta do more than just take notes. You've got to engage with what God is saying to the world, to the gospel, to the church, and to you in particular. Listen, if you take notes on everything I've said, but none of it applies specifically to you, if you've not allowed that to happen, you've missed something very important. Let me tell you what I do. I go to pastors' conferences at least once or twice a year. And when I go, I don't listen to everything they're saying. I, I listen, and then I wait for the Holy Spirit to say, okay, that's why I brought your little bald head here, is I want you to hear this. And I start writing notes, and I start processing it. There have been times when, when in, the, in the midst of this thing, I, I disconnect, and I'm writing notes, and I'm thinking about what the Spirit of God has to me. Sometimes they start singing, and they go on to the next session, and the staff's going be like, oh no, what's he doing now? And I'm taking notes because I'm processing what God said to me. I remember two years ago I was in a doctoral course, And it was on spiritual formation, spiritual development, spiritual disciplines. There was an afternoon course, and I heard one thing, and it set me off on a thought that took me two hours to complete. I don't know what that lecture was on. I'm sure it was good, but I don't have a clue. But I do know what God spoke to me about in that moment. And I know that there's a discipline that now exists in my life that I've shared with our leadership to try to instill in them because that's what God has for me. See, if I was just sitting there listening and just saying, Oh, I hope something catches me, I hope i no no we gotta go catch it. You gotta go look for what the Lord has for you. In every message, you've got to engage, you've got to be a part of it. And here's what's gonna happen. The Lord's gonna do something. I know he's doing something right now. You know why? Because he promised he would. Listen to what God says about his word in second Timothy three, sixteen and seventeen. All scripture is is breathed out by God and profitable, for this teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, that the man of God may be com- uh, complete equipped for every good work. Here's what's happening right now. Some of you are being taught. Some of you are being reproved. Some of you are being corrected, and some of you are being trained to have a new structure in your way of life. This is what God's Word does every single time it is preached rightly. Every single time. And it's not always comfortable. Please understand. This is not always a pleasant experience. Listen to what God's Word says about itself in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. The word of God is living and active. That's scary. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It's dangerous. It pierces. It pierces to the division of soul and spirit. It gets beyond our facade. It gets it gets beyond our image of what we project. It gets down inside of us to the joints and the marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That is not comfortable. But the Word of God, it gets down into us and discovers what sickness lies there, that the Lord, by His grace, might make us righteous, might heal us and expel whatever is there causing contamination to our soul. And no, that's not pleasant. If you've ever had surgery, you know that is not pleasant. To have someone cut you open and get down inside of you and deal with something there, that is not a pleasant experience. And that's what the Word of God does. But those of you who have had surgery, you know it's done right. That there's a healing that comes. And that healing is a great blessing. And so the Word of God is doing this. And we preach the Word of God because we are confident that every single person who engages with it will be impacted by it. Again, another promise of God in, in Isaiah 55, verse so This is one of my favorites. So shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which uh, I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. We preach the word of God here because we know the word of God's going to do something here. It's, this is the promise of God. But look, just by being here and listening passively, That's not going to produce what God wants with His Word. We've got to engage. We've got to listen and look. We've got to do more of the hope that we're grabbed. We've got to grab it. And we've got to hold on to it. And we've got to seek out what it is God wants to say and and to deal with, with what God wants to do. And understand, that's not always comfortable. I'm going to say some hard things that are true to God's Word. Several years ago, I had a family say after they informed me they would never attend this church again and sin under my preaching because I preached on hell. And they said, we don't want to be around that. We don't want to hear about that. We're sure not going to come. And, and when we should be encouraged and you should be telling us how, how good we are and how good God is, that you should talk on hell. And I said, well, you're definitely at the wrong church. Because so I want you to understand there's a reason why I teach on hell. because it's real. And I don't want anybody to go to hell. There's a reason why I was saved, and it wasn't to be a good person, so I wouldn't go to hell. And, and that's not comfortable. But this morning I was praying for some pastor friends um, that that are preaching on difficult difficult texts today. And a friend is preaching. Uh, this church is preaching on racial reconciliation, and people are upset about it. Celebrating in the March of Solomon, there's people that don't want to hear about that stuff, and he's preaching on because it says in the Word of God that we have a ministry of reconciliation, Second Corinthians 5. Herschel York uh, preached for me two years ago when I was on the sabbatical. He's preaching on divorce in his church, saying there's people told him that they were going to leave the church if he did, and he said, I'm preaching on the Word. There are times, friends, when we do not want to hear what God has to say, and those are the moments when we need to hear it the most. And the Word of God. Must be preached. And we must engage into this word. Engage in what the word of God has to say for us and experience it. So, write this down. We worship better together when we are instructed by experiencing the, the, the hope of the story. Something happens to us, it's wonderful. We become grateful. It says in the text, when with thankfulness in your hearts to God, even though it's painful sometimes and it's difficult, and even sometimes it's something we don't necessarily want. When we take what we've heard and we genuinely Mm -hmm. live in obedience to that word, we're always glad we did. No one ever regrets being obedient to God and His Word. No one. There is great regret disconnecting and not listening and not obeying the Word of God. again, it's not always pleasant. A couple weeks ago, I was going down 65 South, and something had happened, and so we were not allowed to go in the left lane. And uh, we were going really slow, and I noticed there was a fire engine, and I noticed that there was some open space in the left lane, and I thought, well, good, I I can get over now. And as as I was getting ready to get over, I was right next to that fire engine. I was right just past it. And as I started to make the turn with my blinker, that dude honked at me. Can I tell you, it scared me to death. I jumped. Now, there's nothing funnier in the world to me when someone else is scared, but it makes me mad when I get scared. And so I immediately wanted to look in my rearview mirror to see how big a boy he was to see if I could go whoop him, right? And I look in there, and he's pretty good sized, and he was doing this. I was thinking, oh, I'll pull over. You want a piece of this, preacher? You got it, big boy. And then I realized that he was not asking me to step out of the car; he was telling me to stay in the right lane. Now it was a very unnerving, uncomfortable place. I had to repent and everything, because I wanted to beat him up. But I didn't tell the story to say this. I noticed in the left lane there was glass and metal, and had he not honked at me, I would have gotten a flat tire. Can I tell you the word of God sometimes honks at you, and sometimes the preacher honks at you. You know what we're saying? You know what the Word of God is saying? Stay on the narrow road. Do not take the wide road because it leads to destruction. It leads to a flat tire. It leads to getting stuck and having brokenness and pain. And the Word of God is a gift that calls us to live and to pursue and recover God's design. Now, I don't know what the Spirit of God is saying to you today, but I have a sense that, that what the Spirit of God is saying is what He always says. He calls us away from sin and brokenness to a gospel centered life. We talk about the three circles. We talk about it all the time. And here's why because sin and brokenness is real. And the gospel is true. And if we will give our lives to Christ and seek his forgiveness and his leadership, we can recover and pursue God's design. Now, every time we gather, we're going to be reminded of the reality of sin and brokenness, and so we're going to be called to believe the gospel, not for salvation, but for sanctification, that the gospel might enable us to pursue and recover God's design with greater zeal and hope. So here's what I know. The Word of God has not returned void. The Word of God has done something in your life today. And what we like to do at Living Hope is we like to reflect in song and then give folks an opportunity to respond by praying about what God has said. Now, here's what I know. Some of you need to give your life to Christ this morning. You need to come get on. here. knees to stand before God here at the altar and give your life to Christ. Tell Him you're wrong. Tell Him you've been going your own way. Ask for His forgiveness. Give your life to Him and commit to living for Him. After the service, we'll have elders and staff over here. If you need to be prayed for and and anointed for healing, they'll do that. If you want to talk about your walk with God, they're here to serve you. But listen, there's nothing, there's no one more important you need to talk with than God right now. Some of you have a sense of way God is at work in you, and you need to ask God to speak to you. But maybe even more important, here's what I heard in the other two services today: is that there were people who said, "You know what." I was burdened for a family member, or for a friend, and I needed to. I needed to pray for them today. I don't know what the Lord spoke to you about today, but now it's time for you to speak to you. We're going to thing of this altar of which we can come to, and you're welcome to do it. Let's stand together as we pray. Lord, we have just a moment to respond and, and to reflect on this this word, this word that has been proclaimed, this preaching. Having praised and prayed, we now have the opportunity, again, to end our time together through praise and to pray to you personally, specifically. So, God, as we sing of the freedom we have to come to you, Lord Jesus, to this altar and to talk with you about our lives and the lives of those we care about, we're grateful that you hear us, and we ask for your provision for supernatural divine intervention in our lives and the lives of those that we, we seek uh, your your Care of now. So, God, as we sing and reflect on your kid. grace and goodness to us, hear those who pray to you in Jesus' name. Amen.